are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you, as always, my good buddy, Reach Hill. Week nine's in the books, and the Patriots are no longer undefeated. Thank Tebow. That's just me. Rich, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You know, you never want to see the Patriots lose a game. They're never going to go out and intentionally lose a game. But for of all of the games that they were going to lose, it makes sense for this one to be it. I mean, can you choose a more ideal time if the Patriots are going to lose one game this year than to lose it on the road? against a talented Baltimore Ravens team with a unique quarterback right before the Patriots bye week, right before so many Patriots players return from injury or get more integrated into the offense, where Bill Belichick gets two straight weeks to rip into the entire team. (laughs) I cannot think of a better time for the Patriots to have their annual brain fart. No. Totally. I mean, I don't even know if I'd classify this game as a brain fart because usually it's in September and some very inferior team comes in and they just look like all stars at the Patriots. They just don't show up. They don't get up the bus, whatever the case may be. The Ravens just they looked good. I think they beat the Patriots fair and square. Uh, I will say that the defense looked a little sloppy early and that Edelman turnover was a real backbreaker. But we'll get to the game in a little bit. First, Rich, I want to go around the league a little bit and see what happened in the rest of the AFC and elsewhere as we close out week nine. Uh, Any games in particular stand out to you as ones you want to highlight? Yeah, I think it's important to look at the the playoff picture at this point. Nine games in, there's only seven to go. We're in the final stretch. And those teams that you think are going to be in the playoff hunt are pretty much well established at this point. The Patriots and the Ravens are two teams that will absolutely be in the postseason. And a couple of the other ones include the the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, the Buffalo Bills, surprisingly, and then the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs. And unfortunately for the, the Patriots, the, the Bills, Texans, and Chiefs all managed to win. But for the Indianapolis Colts, they actually lost Jacoby Brissett early with an injury. Not sure what is going on with him at this point in time, but they fell to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the game that really caught my eye was the Chiefs beating the Minnesota Vikings 26-23 to on the back of quarterback Matt Moore, who is still playing in place of Patrick Mahomes, who's dealing with his knee injury. The, the Chiefs got pretty fortunate. You know, Damian Williams had a 91-yard touchdown run in the third quarter, helped put the Chiefs on top. And then they benefit from a few pretty incredible field goal attempts from Harrison Butker, who had a 45-yard field goal, 54-yard, and another 44 as time expired to put Kansas City over the edge. Uh, This Chiefs team is showing that they can overcome adversity. They beat a very good Minnesota Vikings team. Kirk Cousins has been red hot. So this was a good showing by this Kansas City Chiefs defense. Uh, The fact that the Chiefs are still standing, you know, they split their two games without Patrick Mahomes. They lost to the Packers, but they they beat the Vikings. Uh, I am a little bit, a little bit nervous, uh, you know, that the the Patriots can't afford to lose to them later on in the year. Very possible. I mean, it's obvious now to me, obviously, that that Patrick Mahomes is nothing but a system quarterback, uh, the system <laughs> offense. What an overrated mess. You know, that'd be the storyline if this was on the Patriots. Uh, also, quick side note: 
How is Harrison Butker a kicker and not like some linebacker who decapitates people? Right. That is the linebackeriest name I've ever heard. Harrison <laughs> Butker. Anyway, yeah, Chiefs look good. That offense is just so explosive. Again, I think it's, it kind of harkens back to the AZ Championship game last year where the Patriots were up big. And the Chiefs just scored a million points in about 30 seconds. They, they just have that ability. Uh, hopefully Mahomes comes back at 100%. I really hope the Chiefs don't rush him into things, especially with Matt Moore, clearly capable of managing the offense and winning. I want him around in the NFL for a long time. He's a lot of fun to watch. But it looks like we are heading for a collision course. That Week 14 matchup may very well decide who hosts who in the eighth championship game. Getting ahead of myself, though. Uh, yeah, Colts loss on Adam Vinatieri Shank, which you hate to see uh, as a Patriots fan who remembers when he was on the team still. But overall, are you worried about the Colts if they can't go with Brissett? Is that kind of it for them? Or do you think Brian Horry can keep him afloat until he comes back? Uh, I mean, it would really be telling. I think Brian Hoyer has always deserved to have his shot as, you know, a quarterback in contention, not being the the third option for a team like Washington or the Cleveland Browns. Or, you know, he, when he had his opportunities with the Houston Texans or had his chances, you know, even with the Browns, I guess, he, he has shown that he can do well within a good system. So I'm curious to see what he will do with the Colts. He's still, you know, going to be a bottom five, bottom ten starter in the league. So I, I would expect whatever happened with Jacoby Brissett, Hoyer can keep the Colts afloat enough. I just don't know if they'll be able to keep pace with the Houston Texans, uh, who managed to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, pretty handily, twenty-six to three. Texans are six and three. Colts are five and three. And right now, if I had to choose between the two teams, I would give the Texans the edge in the AFC South. And that means that the Colts will be vying for that sixth and final playoff spot because I can't see the Bills slipping too far from where they stand. Yeah, I mean, basically, I feel like the AFC playoff picture is kind of set. We've got the Patriots, Chiefs, Ravens, Colts, Texans and Bills. Uh, those are your, probably your playoff teams unless something crazy happens over the last kind of quarter of the season or so. It's kind of wild that we have that that already set in stone. Usually maybe the top three are, are set and then four through six are a total toss-up, but really not so much this year. Um, speaking of a total toss-up, there is now a interesting wrinkle in the bid for the first overall pick in 2020 because the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets Lost to a team <laughs> deliberately tying to tank, the Miami Dolphins. I watched every second of this game, Rich. I'm not going to lie because it was on and I had nothing else to do. I was riveted watching this. I don't know if you saw the game at all, but what a joy it was to see Ryan Fitzpatrick come out and lay one on the Jets. <laughs> well, it's always great to see Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, lay waste to the best laid plans of mice and men there. Uh, <laughs> you, you have the Dolphins team right now, and let me just throw this out there. There is a brutal race for this top overall pick. Let's run through it right now. Cincinnati Bengals have the number one overall pick right now at 0-8. They will absolutely take a quarterback if they have that top pick because they can move away from Andy Dalton. I think Dalton will actually do pretty fine wherever he lands elsewhere. If he goes to the Chicago Bears, I wouldn't expect, wouldn't be shocked if the Bears all of a sudden started to dominate because he's a, he, you know, he's the Dalton line. He's a fine quarterback, but I see the Bengals doing a reboot and go with like Tua or Joe Burrow, but they are winless. Then you have Washington, who is one and eight. Technically, they have the tiebreaker over the Dolphins because that was Washington's lone win. But right now, Washington has one additional loss. And then you have three teams at one and seven with the Atlanta Falcons, the Jets and the Dolphins. And now the Dolphins have that edge over the Jets. It's really crazy to me that at the end of all of this tanking, 
there is a very real chance because the Dolphins have to play the the Cincinnati Bengals in week 15. There is a very real chance that the Dolphins could accidentally get outside of the top five. I mean, like, so there's a few more games they have. They have at the Jets, so that's not going to be an easy one. I guess the Bengals game is week 16 at home. Those are two games that they could mess up and win, finish 3-13, and 13, <laughs> and then they would have that fifth overall pick. And I, I mean, I cannot think of a more delicious ending for the Tank for Tua drive of the Miami Dolphins than for them to miss out on all of the top three, top four quarterback prospects. Oh, yeah, and I'm also envisioning this scenario in weeks 15 and 16 where the playoff seedings are more or less locked in in the AFC and all of the drama comes around teams trying to lose the last two games to get the overall number one pick. And, like, uh, the Dolphins fans are rooting for the Bengals and the Bengals fans are rooting for the Dolphins. I really hope that happens. I'm an agent of chaos in that respect. Uh, and it's also what a wonderful way to help me appreciate how great it is to be a Patriots fan because we're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum Despite the fact that the Patriots lost 20-37 to to a very good Ravens team on the road in primetime, a game I predicted they'd lose, Rich Hill, in the last podcast we did, mm. not to rub it in. Um, but it's amazing to me how the Patriots lose a game, a tough game, a road game, don't look great doing it. Granted, haven't really played anybody of the Ravens caliber up to this point in the season, and then all of a sudden... Once again, here we find ourselves, wash, rinse, repeat, the dynasty's over, Tom Brady's done, paper tigers, frauds, exposed, any narrative you want to plug and play, go ahead and do it. But as for me, I could, as far as, as one is happy for a loss, I never want to see the Patriots lose aggressively, but I am as pleased as I can get with this loss for a lot of reasons. Oh yeah, absolutely. And let's start by looking at the, uh, the Patriots defense, because I think that's where most people are scratching their heads. Uh, what What is your takeaway when you see that the Patriots allowed 37 points to the Baltimore Ravens, albeit seven of them came on a, on a return by Marlon Humphrey on the, the bank, on the Ravens defense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to realize it's just kind of a tale of two, maybe three quarters and one quarter. I think the Patriots came out very sloppy and very lethargic, missed a lot of gap assignments in the first couple minutes of this game, and they were down 17 nothing in a flash. And then they kind of tightened up. Uh, they didn't play great. There were still some some areas where they were having trouble containing the running game. That's what you can talk about a little bit. But I don't think the defense played horribly beyond the first kind of quarter or so. And I also think that had Edelman not fumbled that, that the Patriots were driving down the field, they might have very well won that game. And there's a there's a tweet that was sent out by somebody, maybe Doug Kyed with Nesson, or I forgot exactly who it was. Jeff somebody Howe. pointed it. Jeff Howe, excuse me. Thank you for correcting me. Um that almost every great defense, the 2000 Ravens, the 85 Bears, the 03 Patriots, the 73 Steelers, all have a game or two where a lousy team hung 30-plus on them. So this isn't some sign of things to come. It was a good team getting up for a big game, playing at home at primetime, that delivered. And you got to tip your cap to the Ravens because they deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, as you said, if, if Julian Edelman did not fumble that against the, the Ravens, the Ravens were talking after the game that they felt like the Patriots' offense was unstoppable. As soon as they went into the no huddle, they were like, we couldn't do anything about it. And so, assuming, you know, best-case scenario in that one, Patriots scored a touchdown, they go up you know, 20 to 17 at that point, James White scores again on that next drive. All of a sudden at the end of this third quarter, if Julian Edelman didn't fumble that and everything else played out the exact same, 
Patriots are holding a 27-17 lead as they enter the fourth. And that's a whole different game. It's a whole different evaluation and analysis of it. And so the Patriots defense, sure, they looked awful defending the run. But part of me was wondering if that was slightly their intention, not completely. I mean, you never want to give up 210 yards on the ground. We'll never want to do that intentionally. But the idea of trying to force the Ravens to lead these long extended drives is very much in this Patriots MO. They want to challenge the opposing team to lead 10 plus play drives. And if that means that they're not throwing 60 yard passes to Hollywood Brown, that's fantastic. And if it's forcing them to march down the field with five, six yards at a clip, then they're just going to bank on Lamar Jackson, not completing as many passes. And unfortunately it didn't pay off, uh, Mark Ingram has always been one of the more underrated running backs in the league. He had 115 yards on only 15 carries. Lamar Jackson added 61 yards and two touchdowns of his own. Patriots really struggled. Uh, There was a lot of movement on the offensive line and with the Ravens that forced the Patriots' defensive tackles out of their spots. And it seemed like the linebackers were not in position to take full advantage of it. And so... In my mind, if there's a rematch, it's not going to happen the same way again. I think the Patriots would be far better prepared, but no way around it. Patriots' defensive front looked pretty ugly against the Ravens. No, they did, and you don't want to be one of those scenarios where you're talking yourself out of the Ravens deserving the victory because they 100% did. They had a good game plan. They started out lightning quick. This is my first game seeing Lamar Jackson whistle the whistle. I am really excited for what he can bring to the table over the next 5, 10 years or so. Hope he can stay healthy. I hope all these young, mobile, running quarterbacks can stay healthy and sustain that style of offense because it really is fun to watch. Maybe the Tom Brady's of the world are no longer the future. I don't know for sure because I always feel like the RG3 and the the Colin Kaepernick's and the Randall Cunningham's, they they end up getting hurt. So best of luck and best health of Lamar Jackson. Gun to your head right now, Rich. Do you think the Patriots will see the Ravens again in January or will they not match up again in the playoffs? What do you think? That's a great question. I think they will. I I think that Hmm. right now, if if I had to project the rest of the the AFC, I would say Patriots 1, Ravens 2, Chiefs 3, Texans 4, Bills 5, and uh, Colts six, and Interesting. I expect the Chiefs to to beat the the Colts in that one, and I expect the Texans to beat the Bills, and then you have Patriots Texans, and then you have Ravens Chiefs, and I expect the Ravens to be able to 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 win at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's a whole different game. I think Lamar Jackson. I mean, the Ravens already played them extraordinarily well this year, and they the the Ravens just have a better team now than they did at that point, and so. I could see the rematch taking place, and it will happen in Gillette. It'll happen in New England, and I, I would take the Patriots in that one every single time. Interesting. I'm glad to hear that, and I hope you're wrong because I do not need the Patriots-Ravens playoff hype Give me a heart attack for a straight week afterwards. But <laughs> in order to get there, it's a lot of football to go. Even though it didn't really work out the way we wanted it to, I was actually pretty impressed with the Patriots' offense overall. A lot of 11 personnel, which we didn't really see a whole lot of as much earlier in the year. A lot of no huddle, which I really liked. 
I thought Muhammad Sanu was a real bright spot in this offense. He seemed to have a really nice grasp of it. Ten receptions for 81 yards and a score. Uh, I do think he gave up a bit on the interception. I wish he'd completed the route. might have been a different story there. But overall, I think Sanu is a real bright spot. And again, other than Edelman, that Edelman fumble, as I said before, I, I don't think there's a whole lot to really um, dislike about the offense, especially with Isaiah Wynn and Nikhil Harry set to come back after the bye. Yeah, I guess there's a big difference in uh, how did they perform against the Ravens and what do we think their pretend their potential is for the rest of the year because I think the return of an Isaiah win cannot happen any faster. <laughs> I mean, like Marshall Newhouse has been yeah, very difficult to watch at left tackle because every single week it seems like he's responsible for multiple penalties, multiple hits against Tom Brady. And even if he doesn't allow the contact, he's responsible for giving up the pressure that forces Tom Brady to hurry a throw. And as soon as Isaiah Wynn gets back, hopefully the offense gets back on track because I think it's important to note that uh, when was the last time that the offense looked really good? You know, I mean, like they looked good against Washington. They have not looked good against the Bills, the Giants, the Jets, the Browns. And in my mind, I don't think they looked great against the Ravens. There was a lot of punts. They had to settle for a couple field goals inside the five-yard line. This is not an offense that is operating at full capacity. They're not able to run the ball well. They're not able to block well. So there is a lot to improve upon, and that's why we're here at the bye week. And I think that there's plenty to, to like and grow from. But this was... It's been, it's been a brutal stretch of offensive production, and yet they're still 8-1, and one, so you can't complain too much. And this just seeing how much Tom Brady already trusts Mohamed Sanu makes me super excited for not only what Sanu can do for the rest of the year, but also the fact that he's under contract for next year as well. So yeah. th- this is really helping to solidify the Patriots' offense for the next year or two. It is. Uh, but I would ask you, though, Rich, I mean, do you really think that a returning second year guy who got injured last year, injured this year and a rookie wide receiver is going to be this magic fix? Or do you think it'll be the bye week combined with Isaiah Wynn's return? The adjustment McDaniels is going to make with the roster going forward that'll implement that. I mean, I do think Wynn does matter that much. Uh, you know, we won't be able to rely on him. That's a completely different story than him being a game changer. You know, it's like with Rob Gronkowski. It's like Gronkowski was absolutely a game changer. His return, his presence was always incredible. But you won't be able to count on him. You know, how many games can you really rely on him every single year? I think that we're, we're I mean, Isaiah Wynn's clearly not the same player as Gronk. But it's at that point of differential where Marshall Newhouse is very, very difficult to watch out there. And so having Wynn out there, even if Wynn is like an average tackle, maybe even like a slightly above average tackle, that changes the complexion of the entire offensive line. It changes the opportunities for the Patriots to run the ball. It changes how long Tom Brady's able to stand in the pocket against opposing pressure, and that opens up the entire offense. And so I'm always a big proponent of teams investing into their offensive line, and you're only as good as your weakest link. And this weakest link, honestly, I, I it's the last player I've seen on the Patriots offensive line that makes me react the same way to watching film of Marshall Newhouse was Josh Klein. And that was like under uh, Dave DeGuglielmo. And I blame Googs over Klein on that one. So th- this is, this is tough and an offensive lineman return. I do think it matters that much. All right. So the return of Isaiah, Wynn, get him back up to speed, returning to kill Harry, make sure he's acclimated into the offense. Obviously, those are two goals for the bye week. If you're McDaniels and Belichick and Gerard Mayo and the coaching staff, what are your other goals for this bye week to ensure that they come in 
and have the rest of their meaty part of their schedule and close out the season strong, and they come into the playoffs firing on all cylinders. What's your what are your goals for this week? Yeah, that's a that's a good question to have. I think if I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball, I am absolutely ripping into the effort that they gave against the Baltimore Ravens because you saw from Dante Hightower, you saw from Kyle Van Noy the amount of energy and passion that they were trying to throw out there on the sideline. And you saw the, you know, I mean, like even the secondary, they still did a good job, but you need some better production out of the defensive line itself. And uh, they just didn't get it. So they, they need to figure out what it is that the Ravens were able to do to set Mark Ingram free. And a lot of those seem to be like pretty simple counters where the, the defensive tackles were not manning the, the correct gap where they were able to get spun out of their position. And if the Patriots can figure out, okay, this is how we'll run a defense that can eliminate that issue, then opposing teams won't be able to capitalize on it. So that's what I would focus on if I am a Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo. What would you do for the Patriots defense? Yeah, I think I would maybe – I don't want to sit here and say they got cocky, but I never really bought into the whole like the boogeyman storyline and T-shirts and that whole kind of like – I think that's really not how the Patriots have rolled – I think they've kept their head down, done their job, and let their play do the talking. So I'm hoping this kind of is a wake-up call and that they've got to return back to that mindset that kind of we're just going to kick you in the face, and then when you're down, we're going to grind our cleats into your nose, and that's going to be how we, we beat you. Uh, I'd like to see them kind of block out all the other noise and return and realize, hey, guys, we've done nothing. We're basically 0-0 at this, after the bye week. And we can get it done or we can continue to have these people, even though they try and block out the noise, you can't block all of it out. And Bill Belichick, I think, is very good at letting in the negative media to make sure that people know that they're not who they think they are or they're not all that, whatever you want to call it. So I'm hoping on defense they kind of get back to just we're going to shut up, do our job and let our play do the talking. And an offense, again, it's obviously the offensive line, which I think will really heal a lot, like you said. But I want to make sure that the receivers keep getting on the same page. I, I'd like to see the no huddle get up implemented a lot more. And maybe Josh McDaniels, just like he kind of adjusted on the fly last season as they became a more run-heavy team as the season wore on, maybe he's becoming a more kind of no huddle, quick out, quick screen. I don't know. I don't want to put words in his mouth or, or thoughts in his head. But I'd like to see Josh McDaniels continue to evolve the offense and get it to a place where come December – they are ready to go, and it's not a scenario where we are like, how far can this offense take us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have a lot to work with. They have a lot of pieces, and it's kind of the same thing that we were talking about at the same point last year. Where it's like, what is this guy? What is this offensive identity that they have? What is yeah. this team? And we're in the same spot. They figured it out, but after you know, it caused they needed to get blown out by the Steelers and the Dolphins to figure it out. And not blown out by the Dolphins, but they they figured it out. They rode Sony Michelle because they had the best offensive line in the NFL. NFL last year they don't have that right now maybe win can help them get back to respectability um, but I think that they have a lot of pieces that they can figure it out Edelman and Sanu appear to be very very promising Philip Dorsett if he can get back to full health he's a very solid number three option out there then you have your three-headed grouping of Sony Michelle James White and Rex Burkhead they are all contributing you can throw in Brandon Bolden every now and then as well um, but I think what the Patriots really need to do is figure out what's going on with their tight end spot. Lacoste, Izzo, they've been banged up so much that they haven't been able to contribute. But, uh, you know, Ben Watson has shown his rapport with Tom Brady. I would like to get him involved a little bit more into the offense. And I know that he's been forced to stay back and block because of how weak this Patriots offensive line has been on the edges. So if they can solidify that offensive line, as you mentioned, 
maybe that'll give enough time for the rest of the offense to develop an identity. But you have your two inside guys in Elman and Sanu. You have your outside speedster in Philip Dorsett. And maybe Nikhil Harrier can provide that big red zone threat, big goal line guy, someone that Tom Brady feels comfortable throwing the ball up to, and that forces opposing defenses not to key three players in on Julian Edelman like the, the Ravens were able to huh. do. If that can force opposing teams to spread out their defensive resources, then other players will have better opportunities. And I think that'll be the key for the the Patriots offense is to make sure that opposing teams can't just bunch up in the middle of the field. And maybe week nine during the bye is the first visit Tom Brady casually pays to Rob Gronkowski. You just drop in to say hello, see how you're doing. How's retirement going? Oh, I still haven't filled out your retirement papers yet. All right, well, I'll see you later. You never know. I'm not saying he's coming back, but maybe this is the the the, the time that Brady starts putting on the full court press. Uh, before we close out the podcast, Rich, we're going to take Thursday off, relax a little bit, enjoy the bye week along with the Patriots. But before we close out this podcast, Rich, I'd love to know what your letter grades are for this team at the just past the halfway point. Offense, defense, special teams, what are you giving these guys for a report card? Yeah, well, okay, so for the offense – they rank, I mean, they do pretty well, you know, for all things considered, from a points perspective. But how much of that credit do you give to the defense doing an amazing job, forcing so many turnovers, you know, leading the league in takeaways that set up the Patriots with the second best field position in the entire NFL? And so overall, I mean, I'm going to give this Patriots offense like a B minus. I, I don't think that. It's entirely their fault. They have a lot of injuries. Uh, they they just haven't found that identity at that point. They have had no consistency on the ground. They've had no consistency through the air. They rank pretty much league average with most production points, uh, whether it's like yardage or DVOA, which is that football outsiders metrics for how do they perform compared to the league average. They've been extraordinarily average for most of this year. Tom Brady's off to his, like, one of the three least productive seasons of his career. And so all of those together, this offense is, you know, it's still the Patriots. They'll figure it out. I trust them. But based off of their performance that they've shown over the first half of the year, I can only give them a B-. minus. I, that's more generous. I'll give them like a C. I think they're a C. I think they're an average offense who is doing what they – I think the definition of a C student is they do enough to get by. Uh, I think that's exactly what the Patriots offense is doing. I, I can't remember a single kind of like flashy play that they've made all season uh, except for me, that Antonio Brown back shoulder catch and that Brandon Bolden black back shoulder catch. But I can't think of like these amazing plays that usually you can think the Patriots are good for two or three of them at this point of the year. They don't have that. So I'm going to give them the offense a C. I think they have plenty of time to burn their grade up to an A. I'm not really worried about it. But, yeah, they're getting by because the defense is carrying them. You know, they're in a group project. They have, they're in there with a the smart nerd. So they're just going to coast and, and, and ride the, the intelligence. It's something I'm very well versed in from my high school days. Um, the defense, though, despite the, the, the maybe little mishap, on Sunday night, they're definitely still getting an A from me. Uh, I don't see why you how you really can't no give them question. an A. Maybe if you want to give them an A, you want to give them an A minus if you really want to get really nitpicky. But they're still a great defense, still the best defense in the league. I'm not really worried about what we've seen the past couple weeks with the running game with Nick Chubb and Mark Ingram. Those are good running backs. They're big guys. 
I think the Patriots will be fine defensively. Uh, a couple big tests coming up, but I think they're really going to use this bye week and this loss as motivation to become straight-A students all the way through. Oh, I agree. I mean, I give that defense an absolute A. They lead the league in points allowed. They've scored more points than they've given up, probably. I don't know. I mean, like, after this Ravens game, it's changed, but... This Patriots defense has been the best of the Bill Belichick era. I don't care what the level of competition might say. Uh, you have so many star performers. Devin McCourty, five interceptions. Jamie Collins, an all-pro candidate with with uh, three interceptions, six sacks, you know, eight quarterback hits. He's been a complete menace. Svon Gilmore, still the best quarterback in the league. And you need a little bit more production out of your defensive tackles, but all in all, this is probably the most talented and put together and you know, veteran group of defenders that we've seen. So I give them an absolute A. Uh, and then when it comes to special teams, Alec, uh, changes a little bit. Changes uh, a lot of it. This Patriots special teams has not been great. Uh, a lot of it has been due to some mishaps with a lot of kicking of the ball. Uh, they've run through their third kicker of the year. You know, Goskowski's on IR. Mike Nugent came in, and he was underwhelming. Nick Folk passed with flying colors in his first game, but who knows how long that will last. Uh, I mean, at this point, I don't know if we can really trust the, the Patriots kicking unit at this point, but the return team has been okay. I mean, Gunnar Olszewski fumbled that ball that allowed the Jets to score a touchdown, and... Uh, I would give this special teams unit again, you know, C minus. I think as a whole, outside of you know the Matthew Slater, Justin Bethel, and Nate Ebner trio, especially noting that Jonathan Jones is playing more on defense. Outside of that trio, it's been pretty brutal for the Patriots special teams. So now I give an I, an incomplete. Uh, I think that there have been moments. I think they had the the, the Nat Slater block punt. They had the Chase Winovich block punt. Uh, I think on the punt coverage unit, they're pretty solid. On the kick coverage unit, they're pretty solid. Uh, but there's a lot of whiffs and some areas that really could be improved. And with their all-star kicker on IR and they're still shuffling kicker position, uh, I think the jury's still out on them. They've missed a couple of tests. Maybe they're faking an injury, whatever it is. Uh, so I will going to revisit this grade in a little bit. But I think as of right now, I won't feel comfortable giving them anything particular because I've seen things I've really liked from them and things I really haven't liked from them. But I think if there's one unit Bill Belichick is going to coach when he goes to coach's heaven, it's heaven. It's God's special teams coach. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> he loves special teams. It's his favorite thing in the world. So if there's one thing in, in the area. If the offense won't get it together, I guarantee you the special teams will. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, this Patriots team is eight one through nine games they have the best record in the afc uh they have one game in the books ahead of the san francisco 49ers so they are you know no team has more wins at this point in year than the new england patriots have to be happy with how they've produced thus far uh and the schedule gets a little bit more difficult from here on out alec uh my closing thoughts for here seven games to go Patriots are at Philadelphia, they host the Cowboys, they're at the Texans, and then they host the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are their next four games. The final three games, I feel like, are much less important. Uh, they got a Bengals and Dolphins game in there, uh, as well as a home game against the Buffalo Bills. So I think the next four games will make or break where the Patriots rank in the postseason. How do you think the Patriots will fare coming out of the bye week over those four games? Yeah, I think they have a ceiling of three and one and a floor of two and two, which means they'll probably finish 13 and three or 14 and two uh, for the season. I don't see them losing to the Bengals, Dolphins or or uh, or Bills. or uh, Bills. 
uh, in any capacity, especially that late in the season. So I think if they can go two and two at worst in this stretch, they're in great shape for the very least a two seed. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, you look at the rest of the, the AFC, most of them have uh, three losses already. The Bills technically don't. <laughs> they have only two. They are six and two, as are the Baltimore Ravens. But the you have to expect that if the Patriots can knock off the Bills in Week 16, that should probably clinch the division at the very latest. Uh, and so I agree with you. If they can go two and two over these next four games, uh they will be in a great spot to get that first round by. I wouldn't be shocked if they went three and one as well. Uh, I mean, they do have some tough games there, but Alec, we'll have plenty more time to break that down. We are heading into the bye week. I'm very excited to have this bye. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on the first nine weeks of the NFL season? Get outside this weekend, Rich. See the sunlight. It go, it's dark at like 3 p.m. now, so you gotta, you gotta enjoy these kind of rare weekends with no football. Have a good time. Have a great bye. Absolutely. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, bud. Later.